This is so weird. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's weird this kind of first bit. You kind of feel like you have to do a joke or something because you can't go straight into it, but I don't have any jokes. So I am just going to go straight into it. Um, so, recently we've been doing... Um, a three-part series on the glory of God. This is, this is the last one. Um, so Callum started off with desiring an encounter with the glory of God. Um, then Kaz last week did um, being transformed by the glory of God. And then I'm finishing off with the church being um, the display of the glory of God. And when I was, when I was preparing this, I sort of realized, I'm just like, a lot of people here will have a lot more of experience of church than I do um, so I'm not necessarily coming from the place where I've sort of done it all and I, and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but I think, like Al said, I think um, New Day last year, God just got me really excited really about um, his church and the potential it has and like how, how he really feels about it. So if I could do anything today, hopefully it's just conveying a bit of that excitement about the sort of potential we have um, as God's people, and I know that when we've been doing the emotionally healthy spirituality stuff, a lot of the time we read the Matthew 11 verse 28, where it says, "Are you tired, worn, worn out, burned out on religion?" That's in the Message version. And maybe a lot of you feel like that in church. Maybe it's kind of just you come along every week. It's just, it's just kind of what you do. There's nothing very exciting about it. Obviously, today it is because it's a new preacher. Oh, um. <laughs> um but obviously, usually when it's just like Colin or someone, oh, then, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe for you it's just not that exciting. You kind of just turn up, sit in your seats, listen, and then you go home, and that's that's sort of it. And it's just sort of yeah, you just kind of turn up. Maybe sometimes the worship is good. Sometimes you don't like it so much. Sometimes the preach is good. Sometimes you don't like it so much. Sometimes you're like, oh, is it not finished yet? It's 12 o'clock and Colin's just finishing his intro. So I don't know why, I don't know why I've like aimed all my digs at you. None of this is here. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and, but like for a lot of the time, we can kind of just I know I'm speaking for a lot of people, so I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but this was sort of me pre-New Day, I'd say, last year, and it was just sort of like, there's nothing more than that, it's just sort of what we do. And then as I was, um, as I'm looking in, into sort of the church and what the Bible says about it, there is, there's quite a difference between the sort of what we see and what the Bible says, and so I really want to explore today like what the Bible says about it and so what it calls us into and what that should mean for us and what is glorious about God's church. Um, and maybe, maybe you don't have any experience of church. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've just been here for a few weeks and you don't really know what church is about and you're sort of just getting used to it. So hopefully you get, you know, you've got a head start now because everybody else has had the boring version and now I'm doing it and it's exciting so you know that it's how great it is. Um, so yeah, so the question I really want to answer today is what if the church, specifically in Swindon, but I'll sort of talk about it on the whole, is like what would it look like if the church really lived out its, its full potential? And so I want to just look at what the Bible says in that. And the quote, I think I've heard this, I'll say this before, which I thought is a quote from Gandhi. Usually don't preach Gandhi um, in a Christian church, but I thought this quote was really good and it says you Christians look after a document the Bible 
containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. And I think looking at this and the, what the Bible says about us as the church, and there's these amazing promises, and, and a lot of the time it's just like God's glory. And when you kind of look at, I remember Callum in the first one, and you talk about God's glory, and it's he's high and lifted up and seated on this throne, and the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And then we're going to read a bit when it says the church is now God's glory for the world to see. And it's sort of, we sort of look at that and be like, that's God in his glory, and then this is us, and now we are God's glory, and it sort of doesn't feel the same. Maybe that's just me being cynical, but in my mind, it's not, it's not quite the same. And I think I said this the other week, if you were here, when Sam um, said a bit when we were appointing elders, not that that's anything to do with it, um, about the thing we're doing with like a young people initiative in Swindon and really trying to bring change through young people, in the town, and I think I said then, and I really want to press into that today, that we, we really have the potential as a church to, to change the town for good, and like, I really want to activate us and like, kind of explore what that, what that would look like and how to step into it, um, and also in a bit in the Song of Songs describes the church as like a lily amongst the thorns, and so like, God would look at all the world and all the sort of wealth and glory and the nicest countries and building and the wealthiest people and he said that is all like thorns compared to to my church it's like this lily and yeah so I just really want to get into that and sort of say like this is this is how God feels about us and hopefully fruit and life will come from that um so the bit I'm going to be based in today um is where is it Ephesians 3 um verse verse 7 and then to the end. So if you have a Bible, I don't know if people do that these days. I don't usually. Um, I think it might, yeah, it's on the screen there. Um, So I'm just going to read that and then we'll sort of get into it. Um, So Paul, this is Paul um, writing a letter to the Ephesians. So he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was give, given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. In him and through faith we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory." And then he goes on to pray for the Ephesians on the back of this. For this reason, I'll kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So yeah, that's what we'll be looking at today. I'm just going to pray quickly because I know Al prayed already, but I need extra blessings. Um, put that there. Yeah, Lord, would you just would you just come by your Spirit today? Um, 
I can't say anything in my own strength. It's just you that needs to do it through me, Lord. And would you just use me, use me in whatever way you can this morning. And yeah, would you just have said whatever you want to be said and just, yeah, just would it all be for your glory, Lord? Yeah, so would you just come and move amongst us this morning? Amen. So the specific bit in in that passage that I want to focus on is um, verse 10, which you might have heard a lot about the church, is that through the church, this is a bit what I said before, the manifold wisdom of God, which I think of as glory. I don't know if that's theologically accurate. Is that right? Thought of the same thing, I like to think. Um, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So this is Paul saying, if demons and angels and other heavenly beings were to ask God, what does your glory or what does your manifold wisdom look like? He'd, be, he'd look, say, look at my church. That is what my glory looks like. And for me, I don't know about you, but I'm just like, what? So you kind of see like, no, look at you, you know, high and lifted up when the angels are crying out, holy, holy. Or when God, uh, this is another bit Callum pointed out, when Moses on the mountain, and he asked to see God's face. And he's just like, my, his glory is so amazing that Moses can't look at God's face, otherwise he'll die. And then in us, Paul says, we have that same glory. And it sort of, I don't know about you, but for me, it sort of feels like it doesn't quite um, weigh up. So I really want to sort of explore what is so glorious about, about the church. And then at the end, I'll try and step into that. And it's a bit messy. I haven't really slept the last few days because it's been all over the place. So hopefully you're all Christians so you can have grace for me. And maybe God will do something. Um, <laughs> thanks, Kaylee. Um, um, where am I? And yeah, so, and a lot of the time we sort of, we sort of look at um, like practical steps, how we can be better. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think as the church, like everything that comes from us, because if you, the, if you kind of just do steps as good as they are, if it's sort of, Without, I think Callum said this as well in a preach at one point. It's like the way without truth, you can't, you can't, it's a word, reflect Jesus without the way and the truth. And a lot of the time we can kind of have the way, but if you don't know the truth behind it, then there's no sort of substance to it. So, yeah, so what I really want to start by doing is seeing how God feels about his church and was everything that we do and this potential that we have to sort of change the town, like I said, that I believe we do have. Would that come from an overflow of the knowing this kind of love and the way that God feels about us? And I was in South Africa recently, just a little flex, um, um, on, for like a regions beyond sort of leaders conference. Not that I'm a leader, but somehow I squeezed in. Um, and and uh, some of you might know Daniel McLeod. He is... Um, the leader of Trinity Church in London, and he just did this amazing talk. He sort of preached the whole Bible from like before Genesis 1 to the after Genesis, after Genesis 1, after the end of Revelation. And it was just painted this amazing picture of, of God and how what is so amazing about this glory that we've sort of been invited into. So I'm going to sort of try to convey that a bit, but it will not be anywhere near as good. So if you want to hear it done well, then look up Legacy 23 on Spotify and press on Daniel McLeod day one. That, that is where you need to hear it because I'm going to absolutely butcher it. Um, so, so it's sort of, he started with like God in, with, um, 
where was it, in God in the creation and sort of there is just God, the Father and the Son and they are sort of just rejoicing in each other and it's from this overflow of love uh, and rejoicing in each other that the world is created and us and and in Exodus 4 verse 22, God calls Israel, which is now, you know, the whole people of God, the whole church, his firstborn son. So it kind of puts us on the, on the same level as Jesus in an amazing way. This is like, this is Israel, my firstborn son. So make, so Jesus is now your brother. And sort of throughout the Old Testament, we see God as the father and, and he sort of, and as we, the kind of sinful son, keep running away from, G- from Jesus and God and just trying to do things our own way, God is sort of just like, will you just, I'll, I'll read this, it's better. Through, throughout the Old Testament, we see God as the father hitching up his robes to run after his sinful, broken son and welcome him home. You kind of think it would make sense if God just went, well, come on, we've, you know, we've been rejoicing in perfect eternity forever and now we've invited you in. You've had your chance, mate. Unlucky. That would be, in my eyes, completely fair to be like, you've had your chance. Unlucky. But still, he's just like, no, there is nothing I won't do for you. That is the amount of love he has for us. And it's like, and so he kind of gets to the point where our perfect older brother, Jesus, has to come and sort of invite us home. And the, I'm just going to keep stealing what Daniel said because it's better than what I say. And it's, he said, it, the father wants us in his home together. He has care and wealth and protection for us to enjoy. Will you come back? And that's sort of, when God sends Jesus, that's what he's trying to do. He's just like, come on, I know you keep walking away, but I I want you in my house with me forever. I have wealth and blessing for you. Will you just come home? And then, but still, we, we see Jesus in all his perfection and just to the point where we put him to the cross and say, no, we don't want you. And and we kill him, and, and so, I'll just keep reading this, so eventually God sends his, his perfect son, who he could have delighted in forever, to die for us, so our sins might be washed away by this perfect sacrifice, so we might be able to be in his presence again, and, and even as the faith, faithless, sinful, younger brother that is the world and creation and humanity, as we nail Jesus to the cross, still he's not like, yeah, right, I've had enough with these guys. That is it. No more. I have had enough. They just keep, they just keep turning away from me. He's still, as he's on the cross, bleeding, about to die, he's crying out to the Father that he would forgive us. And that is, and then, but thankfully it doesn't end there. And and Jesus rises again, and we, and I think that is, so now we, you know, our sins are gone, and there was nothing that God, that God wouldn't do, there was, nothing was out of bounds for God to show how much he loves us, and this is all so he would have us back in his household, and now we get to be part of that household again through Jesus, no matter how sinful we are, how great we think we are, how bad we think we are, we all get a place in this sort of family, it's like, the, the thing Daniel said, which is like, we got lucky church. And obviously, you know, luck in church, ooh, a bit, bit controversial, but like, we got lucky. We, we don't deserve to be here at all. And yet, somehow we get, if we just accept, all we have to do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And, and we get to be put in this, we get to be adopted into this amazing, perfectly heavenly family. And, and that, to me, is pretty glorious, I think. Um, 
and and it's not and it's not even like when and so then when we look at the church and how we sort of it's 25 past already what the heck oh my goodness um yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah um what time did i start <laughs> um <laughs> um, and so even like when he says, when Paul says in, in Ephesians that you are my glory, you, like you are the manifold wisdom of God on display, it's not like, <laughs> got you, you didn't realize what you signed up to, I've got you now, you've signed your life away, and now you have to sort of slave away. It's not, it's not like that, it's, it's like it should be from a place of us seeing Jesus and it's a family that we've been adopted into and be like, oh my goodness, I do not deserve to be here and I just want to give myself in any way that I can and just serve, serve as part of this. And because none of us deserve to be here any more than the other, we're all, we're all sinful. So we should be going out to the world and being like, I know well, I don't deserve to be here here. I don't deserve to be here either, but would you just come and join? There is, there is wealth and there is blessing for you as well. And I'm hoping that, yeah, that would just come from that really. And I just want to read this bit in... In, in John 17, verse 24 to 26. And this is like just shows this desire that Jesus has to be, to be with us forever. He says, Father, I want those you have given, given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And so it's just like we are now part of this amazing family and Jesus just kind of has this endless kind of ridiculous amount of love for the, us that just makes no sense at all. And now we get to be part of this. And a lot of the time I feel like we don't have that sort of confidence that we are part of this heavenly family. We, you know, we have other... We have the king of heaven who's created the whole earth as our family. But a lot of the time as the church, and maybe this is where there's sort of the gap between what the Bible says and what we look, we kind of, it can be a bit like we're part of the, the embarrassing family that no one really wants to know that we're a part of. Uh, or we don't want anyone to know we're a part of it. Yet the Bible says we're part of this glorious family that reigns over the whole earth. And would, yeah, would we just like, would we just... What did I write? Would we live to display God's manifold wisdom through what we say, how we act? And would it be a confidence in who we are as God's adopted sons and daughters that encourages us to live different? Um, so, yeah, that's sort of what I want to call us into step into. But that's just my first Bible verse done. And so we've got, I've only got two, though. There was going to be three to start with, and then I sort of just broke down and couldn't be bothered anymore. Um, so the second one is just, this one's shorter, so hopefully, hopefully it won't take too long, is, which is Haggai, however you say it, 2 verse 9, where it says, the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And this is God talking about his church. And the bit I think of is in Leviticus um, 16 verse 2. Um, and this is what it says. It says, the former, the former house of God was the most holy place where the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come when, whenever he chooses to the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. And there's just like, this is, this is God's glory, and that's how it dwells. That is the former house. And then in Haggai, it's been prophesied that the, the present house, or the next house, which is now us, 
as a church, we will be greater than this former house where if you enter it or even touch it, you die. And I'm just like, what? Like that just, it just doesn't make sense. And and because like throughout the Bible, the presence, the presence of God has dwelt in his temple. And so now as his temple, we get, we get God to dwell in us. And that is sort of glorious as well, I'd like to think, that now, you know, through no doing of our own, somehow now we sort of have, we have access to this God and to his presence, whose glory is so amazing that if people come into it without the right ritual or doing the right thing, then you will literally just die. And yet we have that, we have that within us. And, and we have that power as well. And I just wanted to read this bit um, in, in, in Matthew verse... Sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke that I'm about to tell. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, there'd be just no one laughs, and that would be a bit embarrassing. But in, <laughs> in Matthew um, 11, verse 5, when, when John the Baptist... <laughs> <laughs> when John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to see if he's, he is really the Messiah, then this is what Jesus says to show it. He said, <laughs> he, said, he said, people show up to church on Sunday, the worship is great, the band made no mistakes, the preach was nice, the coffee was amazing, and the kids were quiet. That, that is not what he said, by the way. Like that, how boring would that be? Yes, no one really laughed. That's really bad. Um, <laughs> How boring would that be? Imagine Jesus was walking around and the thing that when we know the kingdom has come and that is what we look at, but that's sort of what, what church can look like for us today. What he really says is in Matthew 11 is the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So that is what, this is our amazing promise that we, has, um, that we get to step into and that is that sounds like the glorious church to me. That, is, that feels like God, being a part of God's glory. And that is the sort of church I would want to be part of. I don't know about you. Um, and, and so now that, now that we are the temple of God and the, the presence of God dwells within us, we, we have access to the same power that would have killed Aaron if he had even kind of come near the, the, the most holy place. And and that is what's so glorious. People who are meant to be separated miles from God, we kind of keep walking, keep walking away as he tries to call us back. And we just keep going. And yet still, just because Jesus died for us, and all we have to do is just say, I am, my life is yours, I'm in. And we get to have access to this amazing power. And I think with, it's that, with that power, that sort of the power to transform Swindon, that sort of makes it seem more possible now. If we have that, that power within us, then that, that to me sort of sounds like, that sounds like the church to me. Um, so I just want to, I'll try and be quick on this bit, and now I've lost where I was before, nice one. Um, go back to Ephesians 3 and just look quickly about how, so like how do we step into this? What does, what does Paul say on the back of saying we are the manifold wisdom of God, and it's that he prays for the Ephesians. And I'm just going to reread the prayer again. So it's from verse 14 to the end. So it's for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his, his whole family in heaven on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how, 
How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so I just want to quickly look at, so hopefully you're excited now about this is the church we get to be a part of. Maybe not. If not, I'm sorry. Um, stone me. Um, um, and so hopefully maybe you're a bit excited about that. And this is the glorious church we get to be a part of. But still, it can sort of seem a bit daunting, like, how, how on earth do we get there? Um, so I just want to briefly touch on, oh my goodness, what the heck, it's the time up here. It's just a different world. Um, so I just want to briefly touch on what Paul says on the back of this, because I think it'd be so easy to be like, come on, get your asses in gear. We are the manifold wisdom of God. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word. Um, <laughs> Get your asses and go, We're allowed, we are the manifold wisdom of God. Come on, get on with it. You've got, you've got promises to, fulf- to fulfill. But instead, he doesn't. He just goes, I want to pray for you. And the first thing, I didn't read this bit, but the first thing he says um, before he prays, off the back of this, is do not be discouraged. Because it's so easy to sort of see all of this and be like, oh my goodness, how on earth do we get there? Um, but but we, have, we do have a way in. And so sort of maybe, maybe you feel like, that's not for me. And like Paul says, Paul says at the start, he says that he, even though he is less than the least of all God's people, he has a part of this amazing thing. And, you know, you might see Paul as this amazing apostle and, and you know, he did amazing things for the kingdom of God. But this is how he felt. So it's not like he's done all those things. So he's not, not less than the least. This is how he felt. So even if you feel like you're less than the least and you're like, oh, my goodness, where do I even fit into all this? Paul, you know, God can use people who feel like less than the least and use them in amazing ways. Um, so do not be discouraged. Um, what's next? And also, it doesn't, it doesn't say the, the elders and the people that sit on the front row are going to be the manifold wisdom of God on display. It says the whole church. So if you're, if you're in, if you are like, I am a Christian, I am part of this church, then this, this promise is for you as well. So please don't write yourself out, out of it. And it doesn't mean you have to sort of go around evangelizing and preaching. And every time you see someone with like a limp, you have to go and be like, can I pray for you? Jesus loves you. Um, that's not how it works. So, but what Paul, Paul does then pray for is two things. He prays that you'd be strengthened by the spirit in power and faith. And that you'd be rooted and established in love. Um, yeah, so would you, would you know this love that... that surpasses all knowledge, and, and that, is, that is where it comes from, which is what I was trying to say at the start when I said, um, what did I say? I said something like that. Um, and, and so, because I kind of feel like there's, with Jesus, if you look at Jesus in the Bible, he is sort of this perfect example of, of how to be a glorious, he's like the perfect example of someone filled with the fullness of God and that reflects his glory. And we look at him, and there was, there was something different about him, right? He didn't have random crowds of 5,000 people coming to hear him and, well, people wanting to kill him. There's, there's something about that that says there is something different about this man because, but he, and he is the perfect example of God's, God's glory in us. Um, but we also, the amazing thing is we are now part of that as well. And I don't really know what I'm trying to say. What's the time? Let's finish there. Um, how do I respond? Um, any ideas? Um, so maybe what we'll do is maybe you kind of want to 
you want to be part of this glorious plan that, um, um, that God has for us. And so I'd re- love to encourage you to sort of step out in that. Um, maybe let's everybody, if you kind of want to step into that, step, come to the front. As everybody always says, nothing special about the front, but there is something about stepping forward to say no and like doing it physically that's like, no, I want to be part of this. Um, count me in. And, and if we do that, then I'd love to pray, pray Paul's prayer of the Ephesians over us as Gateway Church, and the you know, fruit might come from that. So, yeah, do you want to stand? And, if, and also, if, if you're not a Christian, I just want to say, and you kind of think I'm just talking absolute nonsense, just, just take this chance, because realistically, if you're, not, if you're not a Christian, a, a lot of us are, so we're all weirdos anyway, so I'm going to ask you to do something weird, because it doesn't matter, because we're all weird anyway. So would you just, I just like, as, as we take this time, would you just invite Jesus in? Just close your eyes and just be like, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? And I have no idea if that's going to work or not, but that's not my job. That's up to Jesus. Um, so yeah, if you, if you guys want to come, if you feel like I want to be part of this, um, part of this glorious church, and then I'll just, I'll just pray over all of us that, um, yeah, that we, we do this. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to come, then that would be cool. And then, I'll read, I'll read this prayer over us. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father, whom his whole family of heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of his, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, Gateway Church, with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints... To grasp how, how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses, surpasses knowledge. Would you know this love that surpasses knowledge this morning? And would you, like Jesus, be filled to the measure of the, all the fullness of God? Amen. 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 Amen.